0: the reading that you heard earlier as well as the title of my sermon, Pluralism, Progressivism, Pragmatism, um, I owe to the late American pragmatist philosopher Richard Rorty who died back in 2007. In a field notorious for dense, uh, dense writing, dense prose and technical jargon, Rorty's lucid writing style is a breath of fresh air. Across many accessible books, he was able to write clear, direct, even beautiful sentences without sacrificing analytic rigor. I have a few significant points of departure from Rorty's philosophy, but I won't bore you with those this morning. And I do owe to him, however, a significant intellectual debt. Specifically, the title of this sermon is adapted from his book, Philosophy and Social Hope in which the subtitle of the afterword is Pragmatism, Pluralism, and Postmodernism. Now, Rorty, in turn, owes his title to that controversial controversial turn-of-the-20th-century cigar-chomping figure, Sigmund Freud, who said that Copernicus, Darwin, and Freud, he himself, had been responsible for successive cataclysmic decenterings. Copernicus decentered the planet Earth. Darwin de-centered the human species. And Freud decentered the conscious mind by showing us the influence and power of the unconscious. Now in addition to Freud's three major decenterings, we could add, for example, Albert Einstein's theory of relativity, which decentered space and time into the conflated relativity of space time. Now, there are other sources of decentering in our postmodern world that we could list, but the upshot is that before the scientific revolution, it was much more justifiable to understand our planet as the center of the universe, our species as the center of creation, and our sense of self, as well as our perspective of space and time, as the only legitimate view. But the postmodern world challenges us to question the dominance of each of these former historic center points. And each of these decenterings has been formative in my journey to Unitarian universalism, which began in the Southern Baptist fold, any former Southern Baptist in the room. All right. All right. All right, can I get a witness? All right. All right. And pass through liberal Baptist life. Now, I'll be speaking this morning mostly about pluralism, but you'll be hearing more about my touchstones of progressivism and pragmatism in coming weeks. Now, I could have told you about them this morning, and the sermon could have been three hours, but uh, one of my seminary professors says that sermons should be about the sacred and about 20 minutes. So I'll try to stick to that this morning. For now, to share with you some of my journey, my primary childhood religious context was a large Southern Baptist congregation in the Midlands of South Carolina. When I was younger and my worldview was formed almost exclusively from this perspective, I would have been happy if all six billion people on earth had been Southern Baptists. But as I grew older, I began to meet increasing numbers of non-Southern Baptists. And they had traits like being kind, well-adjusted, smart, funny, competent human beings. Uh, My church was the center of my world and taught me to believe that the most important decision anyone could make was whether to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Some of you may have been invited from time to time to consider that particular decision, perhaps on a street corner. But I became increasingly unsure of how to reconcile this exclusivist belief with the many remarkable people I was meeting in the world who understood Jesus differently than I had been taught. My church taught me that Jesus, as defined by the Southern Baptist Convention, was the one true center of life, the universe, and everything, for any Douglas Adams fans in the audience. Uh, Yet I increasingly met people whose world centered on the Methodist Church or the Catholic Church, as well as others whose world did not center around any religion. Their lives centered on their career, their family, or even their favorite sports team. If I had been born a few decades earlier, I could perhaps have more easily maintained my Southern Baptist beliefs with less struggle. I might have met fewer people who were non-Southern Baptists. But when your roommate is Roman Catholic, your best friend is an atheist, and your favorite professor is a Buddhist, it's increasingly difficult to maintain with integrity that the Southern Baptist faith or any single religion is the one true center. My encounters with the diverse and pluralistic uh, humanity was decentering Jesus in the same way that Copernicus decentered the planet Earth. In the same way that Darwin decentered the human species and that Freud decentered the conscious mind. Now since this decentered pluralistic perspective has, that I've been describing has been my worldview essentially since my sophomore year in college, some of you may be wondering what took me so long to join Unitarian Universalism because <laughs> I am a little older than I look. I didn't just finish my sophomore year in college. So, um, Reflecting on this question, at least three reasons come to mind. First, the deeper I delved into the 2,000-year history of Christianity, the more I came to discover the many neglected resources, at least popularly, in the Christian tradition that can be vital contributions for a healthy spirituality and a transformative ethics. That's why Christianity remains one of the sources of Unitarian Universalism. Second, retrieving and promoting the best of the Christian tradition has allowed me to help many people move from a more fundamentalist faith to a more open-minded, generous, and compassionate practice. Third, and I think many of you may suspect this already, there are many de facto Unitarian Universalists in progressive Christian circles, and we just need to get them to come on over the line. <laughs> but hanging out with those folks kept me amongst liberal Christians maybe longer than I would have otherwise stayed. Now, some of you may have heard that before choosing to seek fellowship with the Unitarian Universalist Association, I was an officer on the national board of an organization called the Alliance of Baptists. Now, has anybody heard of the Alliance of Baptists? A few, all right. So (laughs) so we're only talking about about 125 congregations nationwide as compared to the UUA's, about 1,000 congregations. But to quote from the homepage of the Alliance's website, We began as a dissenting voice in Baptist life more than 25 years ago. For more than 20 years, we have affirmed the call and ordination of women in ministry and the full acceptance and embrace of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community. The Alliance is committed to ecumenism, partnership and mission, radical hospitality, and social justice. That's not too shabby for Baptists, right? So... (laughs) So yes, it's true that Jerry Falwell, Mike Huckabee, Roy Moore, Tim LaHaye, and Fred Phelps are Baptists, but Martin Luther King Jr. was a Baptist. So too are Bill Clinton, Al Gore, Jimmy Carter, Jesse Jackson, and Bill Moyers. However... Despite my gratitude for many aspects of my Baptist heritage, and I am grateful for that, and the the congregationalism and the freedom that are the best of the Baptist tradition really are pretty similar to some aspects of Unitarian Universalism. But I'm grateful, despite this heritage, I'm even more grateful for the opportunity to choose Unitarian Universalism as a liberal religion that embraces the fullness of 21st century knowledge and experience. I'm grateful for the opportunity to choose a religious tradition whose forebears include John Adams and Susan B. Anthony, Clara Barton and William Ellery Channing, Ralph Waldo Emerson and Margaret Fuller, Thomas Jefferson and Frank Lloyd Wright, Forrest Church, Rebecca Ann Parker, William Sinkford, and Peter Morales. Now if you don't know who all those people are, we're thinking about doing a DVD study series of UU history. Those are some of the more famous ones, so if you, if you don't know who those are, then join me in learning more about Unitarian Universalist history this next year. I'm similarly grateful for the opportunity to choose to be part of a congregation in which both myself and my wife Megan can feel fully apart. Megan was raised to practice Reform Judaism but has become a practicing Buddhist in recent years and is interested in merging a a Western-style Buddhism with an Earth-centered spirituality. Now, in the coming weeks and months, I look forward to getting to know many of you and hearing about where your practice lies and falls. In particular, I hope to find opportunities to connect with many of you individually and in small groups. I welcome you to invite me to breakfast, coffee, lunch, what have you, Dutch treat is fine. I'm not looking for a free meal. I just want to get to know you. (laughs) I would love to hear about your journey to Unitarian Universalism, how you first came to UUCF, what what got you over the hump and in these doors, what keeps you coming back each week, what gets you out of bed on a Sunday morning and at least dressed and here. I'm grateful for that. (laughs) I would love to hear about the people, places, and events in this congregation or similar congregations that made you feel or make you feel most connected, most alive, and most grateful. Now from listening to the search committee and the board of trustees and a few other individuals and committees that I've already begun to meet with, it's evident that portions of this congregation, no surprise to you, are drawn here for many different reasons. Some of you are here to strengthen and extend Unitarian Universalism's historic commitment to social justice. Others are here to take that next crucial step beyond the limitations of the religious traditions of your childhood or to escape from some form of religious fundamentalism. Still others are here because Unitarian Universalism is wide enough to embrace not only secular humanism, but also Earth-centered traditions. Many of you are here to raise your children in a religious community that celebrates diversity, promotes lifelong learning, and practices compassion. Now, there may well be as many reasons for being here at UUCF as there are members and friends of this congregation. And part of how I understand my charge as your minister is to help hold the space in which we collectively can draw from all six of those sources of Unitarian Universalism. You'll see them printed on the back of your order of worship, but I invite you not to read them right now. (laughs) But by no means does this position that I'm going to try to be holding require that each member or friend of UUCF find all six sources equally meaningful. But for better or worse, you've hired a minister who finds all six of those sources to be highly significant. I look forward to attending AHA and Cups, the Buddhist Fellowship and the Surveyative Society. Now, for the uninitiated, those UUCF groups are the ones grounded at the intersection of Unitarian Universalism and the humanist, pagan, Buddhist, and Christian traditions, respectively. To give you a glimpse into my long-standing interest in all manner of religious and humanist traditions, I'd like to share with you a few results of an admittedly unscientific test that I took back in 2007 on a thing called the Internet. <laughs> uh, it was a site uh, called BeliefNet.com, and the test was called the Belief-O-Matic. Am I taking the Belief-O-Matic? <laughs> all right, all right. I'll put the link uh, as a footnote, so you can let me know if you take it. I'd like to know what you're... Let me know what your gold, silver, and bronze results are in the spirit of the Olympics. Uh, one of the advantages of moving is to excavate all these uh, things from your past that you thought you had forgotten about, all these random documents. Uh, the quiz is described as follows. Even if you don't know what your faith is, belief o knows. <laughs> Answer 20 questions about your conception of God, the afterlife, human, uh, human nature, and more, and belief trademark, will tell you what religion, if any, you practice or ought to consider practicing. It then issues the following whimsical caveat. belief assumes no legal liability for the ultimate fate of your soul. <laughs> now, back in 2007, my top four recommended religious affiliations according to the belief trademark were, number one, neo-pagan, 100%. <laughs> Number two, Unitarian Universalism, 99%. Liberal Quaker, 97%. And Secular Humanism, 85%. So, aha, you have a little work to do on me. For those of you, however, familiar with the work of William Murray in books such as Reason and Reverence, I suspect my percentage match with humanism would be a little bit higher, significantly higher than 85% if the questions were adjusted from the more generic secular humanism to Murray's more nuanced definition of religious humanism. But also noteworthy, if we skip on down the scale to number nine, I won't bore you with all like 30 or 40 results, is that my match for mainline to liberal Christianity was only 74%. So at least according to the belief of Matic, I get an A-plus in neopaganism, UUism, and uh, liberal Quakerism, and a solid B in secular humanism, (laughs) but only a C in mainline Christianity. So I'm grateful to be here this morning because I always like to get an A. Incidentally, Megan gave me permission to share that back in 2007, she received a 100% match with Unitarian Universalism, (laughs) 99% with Neo-Paganism, and 98% with Buddhism. Ultimately, however, neither Unitarian Universalism nor the Unitarian Universalist congregation of Frederick is about me or about Megan alone. It's also not about any of you alone, no offense. It's not about any of us individually, in isolation. Unitarian Universalism at its best is about all of us, collectively, together. It's about the whole world. It's even about the whole cosmos. As you can see written on the back of your order service each week, again, I invite you to check later. I'm telling the truth. Uh, It's about Unitarian Universalism. Unitarian Universalism is about the inherent worth and dignity of every person. It's about the justice, equity, and compassion that we can practice in human relations. It's about the acceptance of one another and the encouragement to growth in our congregations, to spiritual growth in our congregations. It's about a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. It's about the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process within our congregation and within the society at large. It's about the goal of world community, with peace, liberty, and justice for all. It's about respect for that interdependent web of all existence, of which we are each a part. That's what it's about. It's not about any one of us individually. One of the best statements I heard at the recent Unitarian Universalist General Assembly in Phoenix was from the current UUA president, Peter Morales, who said, I want someone to design a UU t-shirt that says UU. It's not about you. Y-O-U. As the uh, the old joke goes, only you can cure narcissism. (laughs) And I think one of the best cures for narcissism is learning to survive and thrive in the midst of the religious diversity that characterizes most, if not all, Unitarian Universalist congregations. We're on the front line of experimenting with and modeling what a world community should and could look like, though we have a long way to go. No offense again, but I look around and there's a lot of white faces in the audience. That's one of the many areas where we have some work to do. My face is white too. I'm not <laughs> unduly casting stones. Um, In in closing, I would like to share with you part of the address that Peter Morales delivered at General Assembly. He was speaking as if it were the year 2017, and he was giving the final report of his eight-year term as president of the Unitarian Universalist Association. He praised the UUA's Leap of Faith Initiative, which partners congregations who are eager to grow with mentor congregations who have achieved significant growth. He hailed the local partnerships, congregations forged with immigrants after the immigration-focused 2012 Justice General Assembly. He celebrated more than a 1,000 UUs who participated in the UU College of Social Justice Service Learning Trips. What I am most proud of, he said, still looking back from 2017, is how we have reached out and engaged so many religious seekers and UUs who were not Currently, members. Uh, there are tons of people, I'll, have to get, I'll get the exact statistics for you, who identify as UU, like, almost like two-thirds more that identify as UU, that aren't members of UU congregations. So there's some low-hanging fruit out there for us to pick. <laughs> Morales continued, we're helping people connect to our faith as never before, people who would not have found one of our congregations otherwise. Lots of these groups are attaching to our congregations. Thousands have joined our public witness efforts, making a powerful force. In 2017, Unitarian Universalism is going viral. (laughs) Now, the internet savvy among us can report that going viral is when an idea, a video, or a product begins to spread with uncontrollable rapidity. Now, wouldn't it be great for those liberal religious values to be spreading with uncontrollable rapidity? But unlike a biological virus or a debilitating computer virus, going viral is generally a good thing in the virtual world, unless it's um, something scandalous. But, uh, But I believe in Unitarian Universalism going viral because I believe in the principles and sources of Unitarian Universalism. I'm proud to advocate for a liberal religious vision of how we can build a future together based on compassion, justice, and peace for the whole of this one planet. I'm honored to accept the challenge of helping both Unitarian Universalism and the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Frederick go viral. I'm looking forward to partnering with you in making that vision a reality. Together, we can turn dreams into deeds. We can turn dreams into deeds together.